0: so, I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode.
1: They're not a mineral, they're, um, you know, it's a composite basically made by an animal. So, mm-hmm. It's kind of, it is a different animal. <laughs> Literally.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is. That was Melissa Dusenberry of All the Brilliance. She's my guest today because she found out some really interesting and in-depth information about pearls. Pearl is one of June's birthstones. Before I go any further, I want to apologize for the delay of this podcast. I did take a few weeks off since my last podcast. It's summertime, things are a little bit slower, and I had some things come up. But anyway, technically, it is being published the last day of June, and Pearl being one of June's birthstones... I felt like um, it was appropriate, of course, to publish in June, but pearls look beautiful no matter what month it is, but particularly I think they're beautiful in the summertime when we have some sun on our skin and they're just even more luminous. But anyway, thanks so much for tuning in. Melissa caught my attention with her Skinny on Gemstone series on her Instagram feed where she dishes the skinny on gemstones and the history behind them, as well as jewelry created by designers she chooses to feature. Her informational pieces are well-researched and she often features specialists in the art and jewelry communities. She's founder and creative director of All the Brilliance, a website and Instagram feed featuring informational posts and videos explaining the mystery behind gemstones in an organized and thoughtful presentation. Without further delay, let me move on to our conversation. It's all about pearls. I'm so impressed with what she learned and a lot of the information I wasn't aware of. And it was so great to hear the information that she shared with me that she learned from Eve Stryker of Original Eve Designs.
1: Hi, I'm just so happy to be on your program. And um, I've also been following you. And I think we share so much in common, a passion for jewelry. And um, I think education is, is so important to... Um, appreciating jewelry and as much as artistry. I guess I'll start with the the first thing I learned um, was the difference between um, a cultured pearl and a natural pearl. Mm-hmm. And the, the biggest difference is that the natural pearl is something that is not, um, that exists in, in the wild and um, the cultured pearl is something where man has actually um, interceded in the creation of the pearl. So um, the pearl is is um, made of a uh, nucleus that has been wrapped with uh, mantle tissue from a donor mollusk. And what happens there is that um, this is inserted into the reprodu- reproductive organ of the pearl. And the pearl normally might recognize this object is something that is an invader. And so um, what it, it does is it can either eject it, which sometimes happens in nature. If it's being um, siphoned through um, itself. Um, but in the case of the, the cultured pearl, what it does is it kind of, because of the mantle tissue, it kind of recognizes it is something that is kind of of itself. And it just kind of just, protects itself with all of this nacre, which is actually the pearl. Mm -hmm. So a few fascinating things that I learned about um, this was that you can coax a pearl into becoming any shape. Um, We know pearls as being circular, and um, you can have a pearl that is a stick, a star, whatever shape you want. In fact, in ancient China, they were using um, these um, Buddha Um, figures made of wood, and that's kind of how the culture process really began. And, of course, fast forward, um, we kind of lost that um, somewhere along history, (laughs) that little art, and then Mikimoto figured it out um, around the turn of the century, and we now have the culture pearl that we know today um, that is widely appreciated um, far and wide (laughs) by Mm -hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, without really having cultured pearls in the marketplace, not a lot of us would be able to enjoy pearls as as uh, the beautiful, luminous um, bubbles that they are. Right. So in nature, the natural pearls versus the cultured pearls, are there, for the natural ones, are there usually just one pearl that forms in the mollusk, or are there more than one? Yes, there's only one pearl um, that would usually form in a mollusk, so far as I know, Mm -hmm. Um, and what happens with... The cultured pearls is, and this is why I believe this might be true, with cultured pearls, usually um, Chinese freshwater pearls are implanted with multiple um, nuclei. And sometimes it's not even, um, you know, with the the nucleus, with the mantle tissue. Sometimes they just implant the mantle tissue. And you can have um, up to 50 pearls um, (laughs) growing in a single mollusk versus... Other um, other pearls that are uh, grown in in saltwater mollusks, it's one pearl that, that grows, and it takes a lot more time to grow that one mm-hmm. pearl. So you can grow tons of pearls in Chinese freshwater um, mollusks over a course of, well, not tons, but up to 50 <laughs> over the course of a few uh-huh. months, whereby uh, with the saltwater pearls, um, saltwater mollusks, it's one pearl per mollusk, and it takes two to seven-plus years to grow a single oh, wow. pearl. Wow, that's interesting. So, okay, if it takes longer, does that mean that the quality of a knacker, and you'll have to explain um, what that is for us, but does that, does that increase the quality of the knacker the longer it takes for a pearl to develop? Yes. So it's essentially just layer upon layer upon layer of of knacker, mm-hmm. and as you can imagine, the longer the um, the longer the pearl is in the mollusk, the larger the pearl, and of course the the more knacker there will be on it so um, it's um, it's incredible what happens because when you think about um first of all with the, the saltwater pearls is that they're of course more rare than the the freshwater pearls, but there's so many factors. If you want to, say, match um, pearls for a set of earrings, you know, you're matching size, you're matching um, maker quality, you're matching color, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's quite something just to say, well, to have two perfectly matched earrings is one thing, but then when you start to think about a necklace, um, especially with Tahitian pearls, which are so dynamic. There are so many beautiful color varieties. Um, all of a sudden you realize it can take years to find a matching set of pearls for a single necklace. Mm-hmm. It's it's really about rarity, and it is about quality too. So um, this is why when you see pearl necklaces um, of a very high quality, uh, this is why they're so expensive because they're okay. rare. Okay, that makes sense. You have a really beautiful um, pictures on your Instagram feed. And for anybody who's listening, go to All the Brilliance. That's at All the Brilliance, all one word. That's Melissa's um, Instagram feed, and she has beautiful images of uh, pearls, all kinds, freshwater, um, Tahitian. And really pretty, there's a pair of earrings that you feature that are elongated. And I mean, who knew that pearls could form in all these different forms? And it's so funny that you mentioned um that they can get them to form in any shape just by uh introducing the shape or, you know, the form that they want the neck the knacker to form around. So that's that's really something yeah well, um, I have to say, I had two awesome collaborators on the skinny on Pearl mm-hmm. um, eve um of original Eve is one of the most fun, awesome women to know, period. <laughs> And she is so passionate about pearls and jewelry in general, of course, as a designer. How could she not? Uh-huh. But, um, she was so generous with her time, and she sat down with me and essentially told me everything she knows about pearls. And um, she is just um, a delight um, as a human being, but just so talented. And she shared with me a lot of her um, very diverse shapes. Colors of pearl jewelry that she has, and I also have to say that um, the person that I worked with, um, as far as the the actual um, pearls that you see photographed here, um, those are from Alico Pearl. I worked with um, Raphael, who really did so much um, to show me a diversity of pearls. Um, that completely blew my mind. And Mm -hmm. um, just playing in the, you know, with all of the pearls, as I was photographing them, taking videos of them, you know, you kind of start to get, you know, blown away by the beauty of these things and to just have so many in one place. It's sort of like a kid in a candy shop times Mm a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, there I was surrounded. My ears were just you know, up up to my ears in pearls, which is a wonderful thing. Oh, nice. So what kind of insights did he have for you? Um, like the pictures that you show of the loose pearls, are those the pearls that were in, in his studio? Yes. So okay. um, when I first approached him about doing the value game, which I, I do um, with every gemstone um, education piece I do, um, Pearl was interesting in that initially he was thinking that, you know, we would talk about three white pearls. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought, well, yeah, that makes sense. But what I wanted to do was sort of show a dramatic difference of the variety of pearls, how they can be different colors and shapes. and um, And I realized the thing to do was to do two pearl value games because uh-huh. <laughs> it just it merited two value games. So we um, we looked at three white pearls that were essentially the same the same color, the same shape, the same relative roundness, mm-hmm. and um, they couldn't have been more different in terms of price point. So when you looked at the value game for the white pearl, it kind of looked like a bit of a joke. Like, what are you trying to pull here, Melissa? But um, the reality is, is that the three pearls were all, of course, cultured pearls, not natural pearls. They were um, nine millimeter round pearls. And it was one Chinese freshwater pearl, a Japanese Akoya pearl, and a South Sea Australian pearl or Australian Mm -hmm. South Sea pearl. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the thing about that is, is that I thought when I put this on um Instagram would people think they all look the same and I did get a few comments like that. But <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was cool that people actually did see some some important differences. Um, you know, the the biggest one I think that um, I was delighted by was that people saw that um that um, one pearl just didn't seem to have as much luster as the other, Mm -hmm. Um, and that would have been, of course, the the Chinese freshwater pearl. Mm -hmm. Um, The other cool thing was I learned uh, with the Akoya pearls, what made them so special and what they're known for is their near-perfect roundness. So if you put an Akoya pearl um, that is a fine quality on any flat surface it'll roll in any direction, okay, um, and so that was a cool um factoid that i I would have never known um, uh-huh. had it not been for this, and then you know the the South Sea pearls you know i I thought well, there's got to be you know maybe a rarity or or um you know obvious price point difference in that um you know the two pearls that were the saltwater pearls um I chose and You know, the thing is, is that between the South Sea Pearl and the Akoya Pearl, there really wouldn't have been any price point difference had they been, you know, all all qualities being equal. They would have been very similar in value. It's just that um, because the one that, that we chose, the Australian South Sea Pearl, was over seven times more valuable than Chinese freshwater pearl, um, and I think the Akoya pearl was, um, I think it was over four times, um, I can't recall off the top of my head, um, I believe that um, the reason that the Australian pearl was more expensive than the Akoya pearl was because of the luster, it was just mm-hmm. a better quality luster. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's- a lot of moving parts. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And then, kind of to return back to our discussion earlier about the nacre and the length of time that it takes for a natural pearl to form, especially in salt water, that kind of goes back to um, what we were saying: the longer a pearl is forming in the mollusk, the more time it has to develop layers and layers and layers of nacre. So then, that contributes to how lustrous it is. Is that right? I think it's also, um, I think it's a number of things. I would also say the other important component is the environment that the mollusk is in. Mm-hmm. So the, um, you know, the most important thing for a mollusk to, to sort of develop a beautiful pearl is for um, the water to be um, pristine, healthy, nutritious. Okay. And I think all of those things are are super important um, Mm -hmm. because obviously the the better environment the the pearl is in the the better quality, the higher quality the pearl will be Mm -hmm. yeah, okay cool, so it's kind of like the pearl has the same thing, as you are what you eat or what you (laughs) drink or (laughs) where you live (laughs) exactly okay, cool okay, so explain to us the difference between Freshwater and saltwater. Well, for for saltwater pearls, it's a much harder game uh, because you have a lot of environmental factors that could affect a harvest. Much mm-hmm. like you know, if you were raising um, corn or um, uh, something, some other agricultural um, thing, it is really based on the weather. So, if you have a typhoon or an earthquake or something like that that um, could um, harm or impact negatively a pearl bed, um, obviously, um, you know, it could wipe out a crop. And mm-hmm. some, of these, some of these saltwater pearls, you know, as, you, um, as we talked about, they take years to grow. So imagine um, what's at stake if there is a typhoon and completely wipes out um, pearls that were growing for seven years you know, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, game over. Um, And that also impacts the the value that is in the marketplace, too, because all of a sudden, if there would be some tragic event that happened that would wipe out an entire region, um, you know, those pearls that are in the market currently, they would probably go at a much higher price point because of rarity. They're all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you have to start all over again and grow those pearls for however many years and, um, so it is very much a commodity, in the sense of you know any kind of agricultural um, commodity would be. Okay, but when you think about how also for natural pearls to be harvested, you know the people who are diving, you know they suffer from bends, and you know it's the yeah it's a really tough uh, it's a really tough thing. Just like you know artisanal miners are literally. Um, mining with their body, you know, it's it's still a, a very um, arduous thing for man, but also for the critter to grow, to grow the pearl. Um, the other thing is, is pearls in the wild. You know, every time a diver goes down, there's no guarantee that that, that mollusk will have a pearl in it. So, you know, it's it. It's, you know to talk about the reason why a natural pearl is is um so much more valuable than a cultured pearl is you know a lot of those things too so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right so tell us about all the different kinds of shapes and types of pearls that you learned about with Eve because oh, i know it's so cool it is <laughs> one of your posts was about um well i won't i won't spoil it you you tell us what you learned from Eve well, the keshi pearl um, I learned from both eve and and from Raphael. the cool thing about keshi pearl is that they're baroque pearls. Baroque means um, a, basically a pearl that um, it grows in all directions, whereas obviously um pearl that we traditionally know is a spherical pearl um it grows you know the idea is that it's, it's perfectly ideally almost perfectly rounded, and um, so the perfect roundness is oftentimes what makes a pearl valuable, but one could argue that the Baroque pearls are equally beautiful and, in fact, um, little bits of nature's artwork because they can just be the coolest shapes ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not only that, but a Baroque pearl can be in any kind of species of mollusk and you see them in um, you know really cool shapes. They could be drops or they could be um, all kinds of wonky amorphous shapes. And not only that, but depending on the pearl species, they can be all kinds of cool lusters and rich colors. Ketchy pearls are just, you know, I think one of the coolest things. There, Another pearl that was so cool was Eve has these awesome fireball earrings, and they um, are—they just look like comets. And if you can imagine, if you can imagine looking at at um, these pearls, they they, just—it looks like you want to be—you want to wrap yourself around them. You know, they—they just have such a beautiful, um, unique form and just lovely in every direction. Oh wow. Are those on her website or did she show did she share yeah. this with you on yeah. uh, your so, video? Yeah, so when we, we sat down to chat, um we talked about um a few of her pearl pieces and she had um two pairs of her fireball pearls. One was this beautiful luminous white one, another one sort of a purpley pink pair. And um, yeah, I mean they just I, I say in my video, and this is probably the best thing I could I could um, use to, the best way I could describe them is that, you know, you look at these things and you just feel like, gosh, it would be really awesome to live in a pearl cave like this because they're just <laughs> so beautiful and luminous. Oh, I bet. I know. Okay, I'll have to go back and look at this and then I will um, share some of these things on my Instagram feed and do a follow-up uh blog post suit to have some of these features on there too. Let's talk a little bit about some of the differences that people can look for when they're maybe going through um, an estate, you know, selection that they have from a family or maybe they're at a garage sale or a yard sale and they come across some jewelry and they think it's real. What kind of things can people look for to determine natural from imitation pearls? Oh gosh, that is um kind of a funny, delicate topic. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um I don't I heard long ago that you can tell a real pearl from a fake one by gently rubbing it across one's tooth. Mm-hmm. And um I I happened to um go on vacation in, in Indonesia and I was at a Pearl um I guess a pearl merchant and um, before I went um, someone said the thing that I just had never heard of which is you know you can tell a real one from a fake one by um, rubbing it across your teeth and I felt really self-conscious in this (laughs) shop thinking oh gosh I really want to you know do that test on the <laughs> pearls, but it's not true. Um, so, as unsavory as it sounds, it is true. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason that that it's kind of a, a very basic but fair test is because when you gently rub it across your teeth, you'll if it's real, you'll sense a slightly gritty texture mm-hmm. that um, that real pearls have because of course they're you know organic. Um, organic objects and a fake pearl would be made of plastic or glass and um, it would not only feel sort of uniformly smooth but it would probably look a little too perfect as well. You know I think we forget that because these are um, you know organic objects um, they will have small blemishes and imperfections um, and those are the things that I think make and any gemstone for that matter, really cool. I, I think, you know, talking about some of Eve's pieces, you know, she has this really great pendant that looks like a giant pink cloud. And, you know, oh. you just, all I wanted to do is just stare at it, you know, <laughs> because it's, it's just such a wonderful thing to behold. And, um, you know, this is why jewelry is so awesome is that we get to wear, um, yeah. yeah, as I say, Mother Nature's artwork. Yes. Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it because it is Mother Nature's artwork. I really appreciate you being a guest today. Melissa, is there anything else you want to share with us? Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much for um, inviting me to be on your show. And, you know, it's always a pleasure to just chat with other women and men, too, Mm -hmm. (laughs) about our favorite topic. And um, I think, you know, the more we talk about these things, the, you know, the better it is because we learn, um, we learn so much stuff about the unique qualities that, um, that otherwise sort of just are untold. So I think this is wonderful what you're doing. and um, I'm just so happy to be a part of your community. Oh, thank you. Well, I was thinking the same about you. It's, it's so nice to know that people like you are sharing information with you know consumers and shoppers and people who don't know and being able to learn about the differences between you know like I said what makes one gemstone more valuable than the other and also just a general education of some of the designers that you feature and the gemstones that they use it's um it's it's really
0: a wonderful service that you're sharing and your pictures are beautiful
1: Oh, thanks. All those years as an art director. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, Melissa. And um, I will let you know when this is published and definitely share it with you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Brenna.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much, Melissa, for being my guest today. I really enjoyed visiting with her and sharing her story and her information. Once again, follow up on her website. She has wonderful information about gemstones and some art history on jewelry, but the most recent one is the Pearl Value Guide. You can also find her value game that she does with different gemstones because sometimes you can't tell what quality is going to determine the bigger value. She has such valuable information on there. So if you're preparing to shop for jewelry or gemstones, I highly recommend Melissa's website. And that's all the brilliance, scom Thanks again. And keep an eye out because I have some special projects and announcements and some really cool things in the works. So be sure to watch my Instagram at Jewelry Navigator. You can also sign up for my Jewelry Navigator Passport, which is a newsletter that I send out. Uh, I think I'm going to be doing it once a month, but that will be going out with announcements and different upcoming features. So be sure to stay tuned. And thanks so much for joining me. Make sure you cross check your sparkle. Talk to you next time. Bye bye.